So glad that you came this morning. How many are glad to be in church? Thank you, sir. I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, what we say here, it's better than being in prison. <laughs> and we're so thrilled and honored that you came. We have a special day today. We have a few baptisms that are going on. And so we're here to celebrate and rejoice with those who made the decision. I mean, they've already made decisions to follow Jesus, but they're making it public. And so we stand with you guys, want to support you. And man, this is what it's all about, right? People coming to know Jesus and living a life for Jesus. Amen. And before we get into the baptisms, that'll take place at around 1145-ish, and, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into a few things before we jump into that. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open them up with me. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to just launch off here. And uh, how many know God's got something for you this morning? All right, I mean, okay. God's got something for you this morning. Man, listen, God will meet you at your expectations. So whatever you're expecting this morning is exactly what you're going to get. If you think church is going to be lame this morning, well, guess what? It's going to be lame. If you think church is going to be good, guess what? It's going to be good. Right? Because you get what you expect. That's a spiritual principle. So what we do here at the church is we're constantly saying, Lord, I'm ready. We're hungry. We want it. Whatever Jesus you came to give me, I want it today. So for, again, we have a, I know we got a, a few visitors from outside of town. So we just, again, want to extend our warmest welcome to you. We're so glad that you came on this freezing cold day. And uh, one of the things is I'm glad we're not doing baptism outside. Because I have seen it done in the wintertime before. Anybody ever seen that Russian, uh, there's a, a church in Russia? They weren't able to meet in the facility that we're at. So they went and they did it outside. They dug a big hole in the ice. And they had two guys standing on either side of the hole. And they grabbed people by the arms and they grabbed them. And they whoop, dip them and come right back out. Now that is commitment, y'all. That is what I'm talking about. And here we are. Got a nice lukewarm bath over here just so you can, you know, enjoy yourself. Your hair will freeze when you leave, but... It's, uh, it's nice and warm for you. But again, man, we're just so thrilled and excited that you're here. And uh, we've been working on a series for the past month now in January, uh, just talking about roots. Everybody say roots. roots. Getting rooted, getting grounded. And this is what it's all about, is getting established. I mean, a lot of times Christians, believers, they look for the newest thing. What's the newest thing? What's the high thought that the church can be talking about? And although that's great, there's some good thoughts. Man, the ideal thing, what we need to be focusing on is getting rooted and established in what you already know. Everybody say roots. roots. And this is what we're talking about. We're not talking about, maybe these are things that you've heard before, but we want to get it outside of just head knowledge. We want to get it into working knowledge so that we can see it working in our everyday life. That's where Christianity really takes place. This isn't a religion. Jesus didn't come to this earth to give you religion. <laughs> I'm going to say that again just in case all of a sudden you woke up. Jesus didn't come to this earth to give you religion. What did he came to do? He came to give you and I a relationship. So this has nothing to do with religion. Jesus hated religion. We don't like religion here either. We want real relationship with Jesus. And the whole point behind all that is that this word should be working in your and my life. That we can actually see the word of God on these pages, but we can see it now. Get on the inside of us and we start living it out. That's what we're going into, right? So Colossians chapter 2, you got your Bibles? If you don't have your Bible, well, you could have brought one. And uh, <laughs> that's just awkward for everyone. So you can look over at your neighbor next to you and just say, hey, can I just cuddle up next to you? And uh, just say, can I look off you? And we'll, we'll go on this. Or if not, if the whole row didn't bring a Bible, well, we're going to do a lap after church. And then we'll, you can look on the screen. But Colossians 2, verse 6, it says this, And now, everybody say, and now. and now. So right now, at this moment, where you're at today, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, what does he go on to say? You must, no, is, is this a suggestion? No, what is he saying? You 
must. This is something you got to do. You must continue to follow him. How do I continue to follow him? I got to stick to his word. I got to get in his word. I got to be more inclined to his word. And in another translation, I believe it's the voice translation. He goes on to say, and let your lives be shaped by him. So just a question that I want to ask you this morning is, are you shapeable? Are, is the Lord able to shape your lives? Is there mindset that he's able to get in and just say, you know what, this, this thinking is a bit off. We need to change that. Are you open for change? Right? Come on, who's open for change? I mean, I'm willing for the Lord to come in and say, yeah, this needs to be changed. This needs to be tweaked a little bit so that why I can be just like him. And isn't that so wonderful that God didn't leave us in our dead thinking? That's, man, you could chest bump somebody right there. Are, this is good news. We're not stuck in this old pattern of thinking. This is what the Bible tells us. Now that you've accepted Jesus Christ, I mean, what we tell people that don't know Jesus, you have to be born again. But when we come to church, people, this is what the Word tells us is change the way you think. So to the world, we say, you must be born again. To church folk, we say, change the way you think. To what? To line up with His Word. Because His Word is the authority. His Word, now that you've accepted Jesus, you actually have no more opinions about anything except for what the Word says. If the Word says it, that's what I'm going with. Right? Okay. Glad we're on the same page on that. That's good. Verse 7, he says, let your roots. Everybody say roots. roots. Well, say it like you mean it. I know it's minus 28. I know it's cold. But we got to get warm somehow. So when you say roots, I want you to, you got to flex it a little bit. Your roots. And let, let, the, let your husband, let him flex a little bit. Man, you got to flex a little bit. Ladies, let's flex a little bit. Are you ready? Roots. Okay, there, that's. <laughs> few squeaks. That's all cool. I mean, puberty is a great thing to go through. <laughs> I didn't go through puberty. Puberty went through me. So that's, that's kind of how I do that. <laughs> so let your roots grow down. Where? Into him. Not culture, not job, not paycheck, not whatever I do for work. Let your roots grow down into him, into a man, into the word of God. And let your lives be built on him or let your lives be built on the word. Let it be built on the word because the word is the only solid foundation that you and I have. What if somebody came and cleaned out your whole bank account? What would you do? Oh, God! But if you're rooted and grounded in Him, it wouldn't even phase you. It doesn't even matter because the Word is my final authority. What He says goes, we're going to get into that. Then He says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So we want to get to that place of overflowing with thankfulness. So somebody just squeezes you, what comes out? Thank you. Right? Anytime you squeeze somebody, what should be coming out of a Christian? Praise God. Glory. I, I know. I, I'm just thinking of a duck when I see it. But you, anytime you squeeze somebody, what comes out? So right, right, the same thing, you know, those little rubber duckies? I don't bath. That's <laughs> just disgusting. I, I shower. But my kids, they take baths and they got little rubber duckies. When you squeeze them, what comes out? Water. That, and that is now, I wouldn't pay to, to drink that. It's nasty water. But that's what, when you squeeze, these two find out what's inside people, what comes out of them when they're squeezed in a tough spot. So this is why he's saying, let your roots grow down so that when you're squeezed, thankfulness comes out. Your trust in Jesus is coming out of you because you're overflowing in it, right? Okay. So this is what we've been going over. Colossians, just flip back a page. Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14. Now, just says a few different things about this. And this is what I want to get into because uh, we've been talking a lot about grace and faith. And this is the conversation that we have 
between God and mankind, how does a conversation work? What does it look like? It is a conversation of grace and faith. Everybody say that with me. Grace and faith. So who talks first? Grace always initiates a conversation. If you were going to go on a date with Jesus, with grace himself, who would start the conversation? Grace would always start the conversation. And faith is simply a response to what he says. How do we know that? Well, 1 John 4, 19, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. So again, my love for him is just a response to him saying it first. Right? And I mean, we said that we had church last night. We said this. How many of you men said this to your wives or your girlfriend at the time? I love you. And they just responded, thanks. <laughs> any, any men ever had that before? We said, you just say, man, girl, I love you. And she's just like, oh, cool, great. Anybody, that never happened to anybody before. There's, come on, man, where are you? I see a few hands. You're just shy and shameless. Okay, there's a few over there. And it's, and it's worse if it's your mom. Now, you just hit a whole in love of cool right there. When your mom just goes, okay, so then you're, you know you're in big problems. Move out quick and just find you a girl that will like you for who you are. <laughs> but this is what God did. He said, I love you, and our response was, not thank you. <laughs> I love you. So this is how this whole conversation works. Grace always initiates the conversation, and that means you don't. Your life is simply a response to what grace says. It's a response to what grace does. So we have got to incline our ear to what grace says. So anytime you spend time reading the word of God, just see this for yourself. Grace is talking to me right now, and I'm going to respond to everything that I hear being spoken to me, right? Okay. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, For he has, say it with me, he has. Yes. What does that mean? He has. He already did it. It's a done deal. Say done deal. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to try to earn it. It's already accomplished. He has rescued me from the kingdom of darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Verse 14 says, who has uh, purchased our freedom or who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Go back to 13 there for a moment. But he has already done this. Now, when you read this verse, I don't want you to think, okay, he's rescued me from hell and he put me into heaven. That's a lot of times you can read that and go, okay, that's what it means. That's not what this means. Because if you actually do study on that word kingdom, it's simply another word domain. This is where the king has dominion over. So God has taken us out of the leadership, the rule, and the authority of darkness. And he transferred us into the authority the ruler under the leadership of the kingdom of his dear son under Jesus. So say this with me. I'm out and I'm in. Okay, where have you taken out of? I've been taken out of darkness, the control of darkness, the authority of darkness, the rule of darkness. I'm out. Say with me. I'm out. This is good news. I'm out. But he didn't just leave me out. He had to put me somewhere. And so he put me in. Say I'm in. So you're not just out, you're also in. Now what am I in? I'm in the rule, under the rulership. I'm in under the authority of the kingdom of his dear son. I'm under the rulership of Jesus. So now let's just talk about darkness for a sec. What's in darkness? If I'm out of darkness, let's just talk, what's, what's here? If we're in the kingdom of God's, or sorry, the kingdom of darkness, it's fear, 
sickness, shame, bondage, poverty. Come on, somebody. This is good news. Addictions. What else? Sin. Delusion. I'm out. Say, I'm out. This should get somebody pretty jacked up this morning. I'm out of all this. Sickness. You don't got to be sick no more. Oh, but I'm in this earth. Yeah, you're in it, but you're not of it. I'm out of this kingdom. And where am I now? I'm now in the kingdom of God's dear son. Now, what's in here? Complete opposite of what was over here. Right? If there's sickness and darkness, what's in the kingdom of God's dear son? Health. If there's poverty in the kingdom of darkness, what's on this side? Blessings. If there, if there's hatred and fear and anxiety and all that stuff over here, what's in the kingdom of God's dear son? There's love, joy. It's, it's there. And so if I'm out of this and I'm in this, this is where I need to be operating. I'm here. And again, as we've mentioned, where it's frustrating for Christians is when they're in, but they live as if they're out. You don't belong here. This doesn't work. This way of living does not work. And that's why you're frustrated. That's why you're not seeing results is because you're trying to live your life when you've been taken out of this and this area is still controlling the way that you live. This area right here is mostly dominated by our five physical senses even. You make decisions on what you see, what you think, what you feel. This is what's going on. Okay, I'm going to make a decision based on this. When you're in this kingdom, you are now making decisions based off of what grace says. It's a totally different kingdom. And this is now the kingdom that we are a part of. I'm out and I'm in. Oh, yeah. Say it with me. I'm out and I'm in. So where are you this morning? I'm in. I'm out. And I'm in at the same time. I don't want to ever go back here. Right? This sucks over here. This is what I'm talking about. Right? Okay. Now, Jesus, he got us out. And I want to just read you this quote. It says this. Yes, it is wonderfully true that He, talking God, does not count our sins against us, but it is not the ultimate wonder. The wonder of all wonders is that God counted our trespasses against His Son, Jesus Christ. He did not pass them by. He punished them to the full in the person who Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. No, God didn't just close His eye to sin and go, oh, well, just forget that never happened. That, that's not a just God. He's just, right? So what did he do? He counted. Yes, he totally took all that sin off of you and I, but he had to do something with it, so he put it all on Jesus to die with it. That's how we got out. So now I want to just, because what we've been talking about grace and maybe what you've heard of grace is I don't ever want to take grace for granted. I don't ever want to forget the salvation that I now am a owner and a possessor of because of what Jesus did for me. So I want to just throw a few verses at you just to let you know. That God is not light on sin. He's never been light on sin. And I want to just give you a few verses. Exodus 34, 7, it says this, I do not excuse the guilty. Jeremiah 31, 30 says, All people will die for their sins. Nahum chapter 1, verse 2, He reserves wrath for his enemies. Habakkuk 1, 13 says, You are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Romans 2.5, it says, A day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. First, sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9, it says, Jesus will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of the Lord Jesus. Hebrews 1.9 says, You love justice and you hate evil. 
Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29 says, Our God is a devouring fire. This is who He is. But God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that He gave Jesus to save us from that day. There is a day coming that we just read out here, but I'm so grateful that Jesus came to get us out and put us in. Oh, anybody else grateful for that? I'm out of this, man. I'm out of that, and I'm in this. So now actually what Romans goes on to say is, now enjoy your new relationship with grace. Enjoy. That's Romans chapter 5. He says, enjoy this new relationship now that you have with Jesus. It's amazing. You're no longer thinking, oh, I'm unworthy, I'm a worm. He took you out of that, and he brought you here. So enjoy it. How many of you are enjoying a relationship with God? It should be enjoyable. It should be something you wake up every morning and hear the Lord. Actually, Zachariah says that he sings songs over you. When you wake up in the morning, he goes, good morning. He's wild about you. But people have this weird idea that God's angry with them. He's displeased because of all the, the junk and crap that they've done in their life. Yeah, he doesn't like sin, but he got you out and he puts you in. Now, just because I mess up as a Christian doesn't mean he kicks me out when I'm in. I am permanently, securely in. Huh. So when I do mess up, I just say, Lord, I repent of that. And repentance doesn't mean I feel guilty and shameful for a week till it goes over. It means I have a new thought. Okay, Lord, teach me. Where did I mess up in this? Okay, I'm going to go to your word. Okay, this is what you say about that? I'm going to take that thought now as my own. That's repentance. Right? It's very simple. Okay. I'm getting a little excited here, so let's just back up. Jesus, so what did Jesus do? He came to save you and I. Matthew chapter 1, there's a few verses I want to show you. And again, I know you're very familiar with all these verses, but I, I, we got to get rooted in some of these things because I'm out, now I'm in. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, and it says, And she, talking Mary, will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Why? For he will, what's he going to do? Save his people from what? From their sin. He's going to save them from them. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus says that the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. What is Jesus still doing to this day? Has he stopped doing that? No. This will continue on until we're out of here. He's going to continue to seek and save those who are lost. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says this, For God chose. Everybody say, God chose. <laughs> you didn't choose. God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ and not to do what? Not to pour out His anger on us. <laughs> I don't know maybe what your, maybe your background is. Maybe you're thinking that God's ready to beat you up. He is not like that at all. He came to save you. He came to rescue you. Why? So that He could beat you up now that you're His kid? That's child abuse. He's not here to whoop you. He's not here to beat you. He's here to train you, absolutely. But at the same time, he's here to pour out his goodness all over you so people can go, well, how, how are you so different? What happened to you? I have an amazing God who loves me. Yeah. This, is what, this is what he came to do. And lastly, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, it says this, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Sinners. To save sinners. So if you've been saved from sin, what are you now? Saint. I'm a saint. Everybody say it, I'm a saint. saint. <laughs> Got to say it kind of with some, you know, some, some class. I'm a saint. 
not just, I'm not a sinner, I'm a saint. That's who I am now. So this is why Jesus came, is to take us out and bring us in. Now that I'm out, this is what I mentioned before, I do not want to take grace for granted. Everybody say this with me. I, I don't want to take grace for granted. I, I never want to take what Jesus did on the cross, what he went through, hell, in order to bring me out and place me in. And so Paul gives us a few just really great scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. He said, as God's partners, we beg you, we plead with you, please, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness or, in other words, his grace, and then ignore it. So listen, who is he writing this letter to? He's not writing to people in the world that don't know Jesus. Who is he writing this to? He's writing it to the church, to Christian people. And he's saying, you've, you, we beg you, you've accepted this marvelous gift. How many have accepted this marvelous gift of grace? Man, I have. But then he goes on to say, don't ignore it. Don't live your life clueless or totally forgetting what he did for you. The what he did for you should change everything about your living. Everything about your lifestyle. Why? Because grace is overwhelming. It's powerful. And it reaches to the very lowest lows that you could ever find yourself in. And he pulls you out, takes you out, and he puts you in. This is what grace does. So he says, don't ignore it. In Galatians 2 verse 21, Paul also goes on to say, he says, don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. And in, in context of what he's saying here, what a lot of these Christians at this time were doing is they had a lot of religious folk come in and say, you have to keep the law in order to be saved. You have to focus on your do's and your don'ts. Focus on that, because if you be good enough, then Christ will accept you. So in context, what he's saying here, don't treat the grace of God as meaningless, meaning if you keeping the law can make us right with God, then there'd be no need for Christ to die. If you're focusing on your efforts to keep you right, if you're focusing on, okay, if I could just pray long enough, then God will accept me today. If that's your thinking, the grace of God, you've actually treated it as meaningless. That's just what it is. If you're focusing on, okay, I have, I have to have good church attendance or else I'm not going to make the quote, status quo for this year. If that's your thinking, oh, I better give. If I don't give, I don't bring my tithe, then, oh, then God's going to be angry at me and then everything's going to be cursed. If that's your thinking, you've treated the grace of God as meaningless. His grace empowers you to live the way he's called you to live. And the reason why Paul lays this all out, and I want to show you this verse 2 in Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter, but verses 3 and 4. Now this is Jude. He's an elder at this time, a very mature and aged individual. He's a, he's a mighty man, and so he, he's got some things that he's writing. And he says, Dearly loved friend, I was fully intending to write to you about our amazing salvation we all participate in. That isn't that fun to talk about, right? The amazing salvation. This is what Jesus came and he purchased for us. This is what this older gentleman wanted to talk about and share with Christians. But he says, but I felt the need instead to challenge you to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. Or another translation say, we, I'm challenging you to defend the faith. What is it to defend the faith? To, right here. To defend the belief of what Jesus came to do and who he is. So he says, For God, through the apostles, has once for all entrusted these truths to his holy believers. And in verse 4, There have been some who have sneaked in among you unnoticed. And he says, They are depraved people whose judgment was prophesied in Scripture a long time ago. They have, what does it say? Perverted. They have perverted. What does perverted mean? They twisted it. And what did they twist? 
the message of God's grace. They've twisted the message of God's grace into a license to commit immorality and to turn against our only and absolute master, Jesus Christ. So what did, this, what is these, what did these perverts do? <laughs> they came in and they twisted the, God, the grace and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ saying, you can live however you want to live. Oh, you're saved? Oh, man, just go ahead. You just do whatever you got to do. Do what feels good, man. Have you ever heard that before? Now I'm talking even to church folk, and this is crazy. You look at the culture out there. What does the culture say? Do whatever feels good. You want to be whatever you want to be? Go for it. Why? Because it's all covered by grace. And it's true, but it's twisted. Because the perversion in all this, this is the lie of grace, is now that you're saved, go ahead and live however you want to live. Go ahead, go for it. Everything's okay. But in fact, the truth of grace is grace empowers you to live according to the word of God that you have in your lap. Grace empowers you to live that word. So when it says do not sin, well, how am I going to do that? Grace will teach you how to do that. Even though all the temptation is out there. Listen, to be tempted is not the sin. Everybody's going to get tempted some way or the other. For people, it's different from all over the place. Everybody gets tempted. When does it become sin? When I know it's wrong, but I go ahead and do it. Then it is sin to me. Right? And so this is what grace, this is what God's marvelous grace, and we know there's five expressions of grace, right? There is saving grace. <laughs> Where are my notes? i got to go over my notes. Sanctifying grace. Strengthening grace, sharing grace, serving grace. The grace of God is expressed in these five different ways. So right now we're just more emphasizing the salvation side of grace here a little bit. But what we're just talking about right now at this exact moment is the sanctifying grace. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that also keeps you strong and so that you can live above all the temptations and the sin that's in this world. I can do it. You can do it. How? Not in my own strength. I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do that again. Never going to do that again. Only three days later, you do it again. Right? You, you can't do it in and of yourself. But through grace, when I understand what Jesus came to do for me, and it's not just mental knowledge, I get it on the inside of me that he gives me strength. When these things try to come against me, I rise above that and I say, no, 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 I ain't going down that road. See you later. And it has to run away because now grace is infusing you with strength. That's what it does. The grace is amazing, and it's so big, <laughs> for lack of a better word. It's big. It's a lot to it, right? Okay. <clears throat> now, what is Jesus still doing to this day? He's still getting people out. That's his heart. That's his love. God is not interested in seeing any of his children struggling through life just to make it. Come on, somebody. That's not who our God is. He wants to see you live a strong, victorious life. Anybody know that? Okay, well, those that don't believe me. Well, Romans chapter 5. Let me just turn there for a sec. Romans 5.17. Sorry, I do not have this on the board. Romans 5.17, it says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but... Everybody say, but. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness for all who will receive it. They will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Who the boss? Who's the boss over sin? Jesus. Okay, yes, Jesus. Now, with this verse, 
Who now is the boss of sin? I'm out. And now I'm in. So let's just talk about this in part for a little bit. Everybody say, I'm out. I'm out. Oh, had you, man. You got to pay attention. You got to pay attention. <laughs> but I'm out and now I'm in. So this in part, Jesus got me in. Right? And there it is. Now, since I'm in, I am righteous. Jesus qualifies me to be in. So not only does he just take me out, he cleans me up. The Spirit of God on the inside of me cleans me up, and now he qualifies me to be in. Because I can't be a sinner and be in. Can you see that? I'm not a sinner. I've been taken out of that, and now I am righteous. I'm in, and I'm right. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I want you just to see this. It says, For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us. Who did he do it for? For us. Say for me. Let's personalize this. He did this for me. So that we, so that me, you, who did not know righteousness, right? Did you know righteousness? Right standing with God? Did you know how to live here? No, we didn't. So that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with Him. So what now? I am qualified because of who? Because of Jesus. He qualifies me to now stand in this place as if I've never done a thing wrong. <laughs> Listen, this is, again, what we said here at the beginning is where does it become frustrating, where does it become difficult for people to understand, is that when they've been taken out of darkness and they've been brought into God's, the kingdom of God's dear son, the trouble is, is that they're in, but they don't know how to function here. Maybe Especially people that just recently say, okay, you've been taken out of this. It's a completely new way of living. It's completely brand new. It has nothing to do with the world. It's got nothing to do with it. The world operates a certain way. The kingdom of God operates a completely different way. So that's why God gave us his word so we could change the way we think about how to live on this earth. For example, financial wise, people in the world, oh, we don't talk about money. We don't want to talk about money. The church, we should be so free to talk about money because God we, it belongs to him anyway. But what they talk about here is, no, you got to get everything that you possibly can. I like the way that Dave Hubschman always said it. You get all you can, you can all you get, and then you sit on the can. It's mine. No, don't touch it. But over on this side, the kingdom operates like this. Give, and it shall be given unto you. It's completely backwards from this way. It's an upside-down world, and people think, well, in the church, well, this is how the way it's supposed to be. So if you're struggling financial-wise, the key is not try to get more jobs and harbor more. This belongs to me. The key is to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to give? I will give. Because the way the Lord looks at it is, it's seed. It's seed in the ground for you. And God goes, oh, look at all that seed. And I believe this is in a year for an abundant harvest for our church as well. You've sown, you've planted, but you also have to reap. So there's a whole new way of doing things here. There's a whole new financial realm on this side. There's a whole new thinking realm on this side. There's a whole new health care system on this side. It's all brand new. But the church, we gotta, we got to stop being ignorant. we got to get into our Bibles. B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Stand on the word and word of B-I-B-L-E. 
Bible. We teach our kids this song. This is it's great. I mean, we do a little march and things and thing. We're teaching them a brand new system. This because nobody's born into this earth and just starts functioning here. Everybody is born into this kingdom. So Jesus' job and what he's hungry and going after is getting you out. And what gets you out is when you see his kindness. What turns you on to Jesus is his kindness. Remember how good he was to you? Remember how many of you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Remember what that was like? What did you meet? You met kindness. Think about the prodigal son. Of all the mistakes that he made, what met him on that road? Kindness. The father ran up to him, started greeting him. And this, this, in the Luke chapter 15, he said, I started beginning my I'm sorry speech. And you hear him, Father, I don't deserve this because I've messed up. I spent all the money. I lost it. All. And it says the father ignored what he said, embraced him, hugged him, and said, let's have a barbecue. Get the fattest calf. Let's kill it and throw in some ribs. That's what our father's like. We have to be acquainted with our God. Especially religion will say completely opposite. They'll tell off that God is angry, that he's miserable. Don't screw up, because if you do, whoppa, getting a whooping. It's not who our God is. He is kind, and he will kill the fattened calf for you every single time. It's who he is. Why? Because he is gracious, and he took care of the whole sin situation on our behalf. So I'm out, so I'm in. Now, if I'm in, I have to be, and this is what we're laying a foundation for the upcoming weeks, I'm out of sin, and now I am made, according to this, what have I been made? Righteous. Everybody say, I'm righteous. What does righteous mean? I am right with God, meaning I can stand before God, His holy throne, His just throne, and He will look at me and say, you're right. He looks at me as if I've never done a thing wrong in my entire life. Oh, yeah, but, but you don't know what all this and this and the other. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with what he did through Jesus for you and I. Right. Let me just show you this, just to secure a foundation. Romans chapter 3, verse 22 through 25. It says, we are made right. Come on, say it with me. We are made right with God. When? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Do you see anything in there about being a good person? Going to church long enough. Nothing to do with that. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for who? For everyone. So nobody gets excluded from this. Everyone who believes, no matter where you come from, who you are. This is how you get in. It's through Jesus. So for everyone has sinned. Right? We all know. We were sinners. We were in this kingdom. This is how we operated. Right? We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So in this right here, this is where we were. Right? But notice this. Yet God. Everybody say, yet God. Yet God freely and graciously, what does He do? He declares something. What does He declare? That we are righteous. Say it, I am righteous. This is who I am. We are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed, from, freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Yeah. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who in times past did. Now go to Hebrews chapter uh, 9 for a moment quickly. Now I just want you to notice this. <clears throat> with uh, his own blood, talking Jesus' blood, 
with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all time and secured our redemption forever. You are always in. Say it, I'm always in. It's secured forever. I'm in it. I can't be taken out of it. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could not cleanse people's bodies from a ceremonial impurity. But just think how much more would the blood of Christ will purify our consciousness from the sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Now, before I go a little bit further, if you are getting baptized, if you want to go and uh, get changed, that'd be awesome. You go ahead real quickly. And then, in discussing all this, this, what did the blood of bulls and goats do? I know, let's just all wave at them. Bye, guys. <laughs> but what did the blood of bulls and goats do? It covered our sin. Everybody just say covered. This is what the blood of bulls and goats did for the people. It covered their sin. Now, does that mean their sin was gone? No, it's still there. So these people live a lot of times with guilty consciences, with shame, with, oh, man, I I still messed up. I still did this. So once a year, they would just have a big slaughter fest and kill these animals, and their blood would cover their sin. It's saying this, how much more where the absolute Jesus got beat, he was whipped, he was punched, he was nailed to a cross. His blood now, the perfect blood, stainless blood, sinless blood, This blood now doesn't just cover our sin. What did it do? It wiped it out. As if, listen now, as if sin never existed between you and God. Now, why are we talking about this? Why is this so vital that we know this? Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 13, I'm going to just show you this. We have to understand this. In the Passion Bible, you got it up there. It says... um, For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. So what is that saying? This simply means if you want to grow up, you know, the same way that naturally speaking, how you grow up. You come from baby, you go into, you know, kid, toddler, kid, teenager, adult, senior citizen. That's how we grow up naturally speaking. Well, spiritually speaking, you have to grow up as well. Just because you turn 60 doesn't mean that you're a spiritual giant. Again, I've met 60-year-old babies before. What does that mean? That's not, that's not an indication. That's not trying to be rude. But they do not understand that they are righteous before God. And the Bible says you are an infant. This is the whole difference. When you understand that I am right before God as if sin never existed, the Bible says that's how you grow up. This is who I am. I am righteous before God. I stand before Him without a single fault. I stand before Him as if I've never done a thing wrong in my life. And trust me, I've done some things wrong in my life. And I'm sure you have too. We're all in the same boat. But this is what happens. This is why He's saying, you have to get this revelation piercing your consciousness. God looks at you this way, but it doesn't do you any good if God just looks at you that way. You have to see yourself this way. Paul even said, I mean, if you know Paul and you do much study with the Bible, Paul is a modern day terrorist who go went around to different churches, different homes. He would capture Christians. He would kill kill them. He would beat them. He would arrest them and throw them in jail. This is what he did. But now he received Jesus on that mount, or sorry, on the road of Damascus, and completely changed his entire life. 
Now he can actually say in the word, and these are his words, I have wronged no man. What? You killed these Christians. This is what you did. When you meet Jesus, he takes you out and he puts you in. Why was Paul such a giant? It wasn't just because he was taken out. Oh, now I'm in the kingdom of God. His mindset was pierced by the revelation that I am righteous. His blood covered all my sin, past, present, and future. I believe that. So anytime I go to preach, anytime I go to work, anytime I walk around my day-to-day businesses, I go with this mindset of, I'm right. I'm always right. Why? Because God declares me righteous. So now that I'm out of sin, I'm in as righteous. So you are not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You were saved by grace. But now I'm out. Now who are you? I'm right. This is who I am. I am righteous. And we have got to understand this because in this area, as we said, it's a completely new way of living. What's the lifestyle? We live by faith. This is how we live here. And I want to just show you these verses real quickly and then I'm done. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. It says the same thing, these four different verses. So if the Bible repeats it over and over, I think it's good that we actually start to get it. This isn't just an idea. Oh, it would be great if you live by faith. Well, I don't know what that means. Then find out. If you're, if you're in, it's good that you find out what's going on. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah. So he says, Behold, the proudest soul is not upright in him, but the just. What does just mean? It's righteous, those justified. You know, you can read it this way, just if I never sinned. I'm justified. That's just an old English word, for I am righteous. For the righteous shall what? Come on, let's read it out together. The righteous shall what? Live by his faith. You don't live off of somebody else's faith. You live by what you know to be true. What do you know the word to be true? Who do you say Jesus is to you? That's how I live my life. Right? Next one is Romans chapter 1, 17. It says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. I'm glad you're excited about it. The just shall live. They're going to live this way. How? By faith. Now who's the just? I am. This is how I live. Galatians 3.11 continues on. It says, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. This is how we live. And lastly, Hebrews 10.38, in first verse, it says this. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul is no pleasure. We are not those that are going to draw back, but we are going to press forward in this. What does faith do? And that's what we're going to talk about. How does faith look? What does faith sound like? What does faith believe in? How do we operate in this whole faith? Well, as I mentioned before, faith is a response to grace. When grace says something, faith simply responds to it. Now, listen, I, I, I don't know what it is, maybe just culture, Canadians. We have got to learn to respond to a Jewish God. We, we can't just operate, oh, yeah, that, that's cool. That is, that's, that's, respond is something, everything on the inside of you. I believe that, and I'm going for it. You can't be casual about this. There is nothing casual about the lifestyle of faith. In fact, it's extremely radical. People accuse you of being arrogant. People accuse you of being, oh, that's a bit much for Christianity. Yeah, when, when Jesus hung on a cross, you think that's a bit much? 
Man, God whooped his son, killed him, beat him to a pulp, send him to hell for three days. That's pretty intense. That's what it costs to get you out and bring you in. So let me just encourage you. We don't want Jesus just for a little pick-me-up here or there. I don't want a casual visit with him. I'm going to just park him at the door when I leave church, and Jesus, I'll come visit you again next week. Or, I mean, Jesus, I want you to ride with me when things are tough, because when things get tough, then I need your help in this. I need him in every single area of my life because he's the one that got me out, and he's the one that will show me how to be in. So this has nothing to do with casualness anymore. If you want to get rooted and grounded in this thing, it's going to require your life going all in. And I mean, when we respond, so grace says, you're getting out of debt this year. How is that going to work? You see my job, you see my paycheck, you see my boss is a big loser. How are we going to do that? It has nothing to do with over here. It has nothing to do with it. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. When grace says, by his stripes, you're healed. But my knee still hurts. I can't, can't even walk properly. You are operating in this kingdom. You are going by what you feel. Over here, grace says you're healed. So what do I do? I believe it. Now what do I do? I just continue to walk it out until I see it. This is all that it is. Grace says you're getting peace in your home. Your marriage is going to be stronger than ever. Well, that hag is a real problem. She's got this and this and the other. It's not based on that. It's based, grace is saying something to you. So what do you got to do? I believe it. Lord, what do I need to do? Show me my part of this. Grace says we're moving forward this year. As a church, God told us. Grace said we're moving forward. Oh, whatever that's supposed to mean. You take hold of that word. Let him talk to you about it. This is the word he gave for us as a church family is we are moving forward in your life, in your thought process, in your finances, in relationships. Every part of us is going in that direction. So however that looks like for you, you just simply go, I believe that. I'm taking that for myself. You have to respond to what grace says. Let me encourage you in that. We can't just, Jesus is saying stuff. You can see it in the Bible. Jesus says something and all of a sudden people are just quiet around him. Hmm, that's great. I don't want that to be us. This man who paid for our freedom deserved my utmost respect. So whenever he says something to me, I'm going to say, yes, sir, I believe that, and I'm going to throw myself completely into that. He tells me to change in any area of my life. Guess what? I'm willing to change. For me right now, what's I'm changing? For me personally, it's learning to time manage properly. So that's been my entire life. Right now, my personal study has been along time management, and this is not just time management and how do I lay out my day. It's living my life in the important, not the urgent. So this is what he's saying. Joel, what's important to you? And I'm letting him dictate it to me. And I'm adjusting my lifestyle to fit with what he's telling me. Jesus didn't come to jump in my boat. <laughs> this isn't Jesus coming into Joel's story. It's me welcomed into his story. So I've jumped ship. I'm in his boat. And I'm letting him now call the shots in my own personal life. And the result is I have a family that is blessed. My life is blessed. People go, well, how do you get that? It's just this and the other. No, it's just obedience. It's all that it is. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Amen. Oh, well, I'm sweating, so I think that's a, that's a good time to stop.